Today is a special episode for the Pivot All About Bikes podcast. It is more a podcast for all about people. For now and the future, we'd like to share a bit of an insight on the wonderful humans who work at this company, what they are driven by and how they joined this movement on enthusiasts, believing in a good time in the outdoors on a well-made bicycle. My name is Jens Staud, your host for today, and I have two charming people on the show tonight. You will also hear more from in the future, Paz and Kalen. They will be hosting some episodes of this podcast. So a very warm welcome to these beautiful people. Thank you, Jens. Thanks, Jens. So happy to be here and explore this new project with you guys. So, so Kalen, Paz, where, where should we actually start? I mean, maybe what are you doing currently for Pivot? Yeah, I, my job title is technical training manager, which entails everything from working on user manuals, suspension setup guides, and as much as troubleshooting bikes with dealers. And my official title is graphic designer and event support. And this, this means I work with two awesome people at Pivot, Jeff Heesh, who's the head of graphic design, and Lisa Crampton, who's our event coordinator. Mainly, I just do graphic design, but there's some events I've been doing over the years, and I just kept on doing them, and I help Lisa, and it's my way to... You know, being with people outside and not just in front of the computer. We were trying to figure out where we, we all met for the first time. And we weren't quite sure if it was Moab or Sea Otter. And you both were, before you actually ended up in this position, you were doing what I would call the, some kind of extended corporate van life under the flag of Pivot, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Paz and I were both demo drivers for four years. And that's where we got our start at Pivot. And we actually met you at Sea Otter, not Moab, but do have fond memories of, of both both times. The very first couple times we got to spend time with you. And yeah, when I interviewed for Pivot, I couldn't believe I was going to get paid to travel around and get paid to ride my bike, ride amazing places all over the country. And when I interviewed, I asked Chris if my, my girlfriend at the time, Paz, could travel with me. And his response was, well, if it'll make you happy. And so <laughs> it did. I was glad that she was going to travel with me. So we started off on the road together. And at Sea Otter was, was when she actually met Chris for the first time. And he was blown away by the work she was doing and how involved she was. And, and it was amazing. And that's how she got her start at Pivot as well. So she, she might want to kind of extend on that, that story a bit. Yeah. So funny story ends because I was just telling Kalen that it's like we first time we met you was at Sea Otter, but also first time I met Chris in person. And I mean, it was kind of fun and a little bit nervous to meet him, but it was super cool. Like from the get go, they just treat you like family. They're so welcoming. And as I was thinking about this story, I remember something that happened that day. It's like, I've been, I've been helping Kaylin a little bit, but not much, you know, take the tents out, and set up all the bikes and and when the demo starts that this is his job so I would go and do my own thing but Sea Otter was the first time he actually needed help like truly with demos and I just jumped in like I'm like okay I guess you need help I'll figure it out I started just greeting people and asking what kind of pedals they needed so I can at least help him with that but I had no idea <laughs> what they were like saying they're like yes I am SPD or crank brothers or time and and I will just very quiet turn around it's like Kaylin what's an SPD because I just had no idea <laughs> and and then I started like learning 
more and more and it just kind of took off from there like I there was no way to stop and I think by inner bike which I mean Seattle is around April and inner bikes in September I think by that time I think I could run the demo without Kaylin <laughs> maybe not not really but <laughs> yeah she was she was the boss yeah her her nickname's Henarlita <laughs> because she's the the little boss that runs runs the demo We've actually gotten emails from customers saying that Pause's team, the demo was was Pause's team at the time. So, but yeah, back back to meeting you, Jens. I think you were there doing a video project with Bernard and and Emily. Is that, yeah, this is, that is right? Like seven years ago now. It was 2015. We were traveling, starting in LA, going all the way up to Port Angeles, and doing races, visiting jobs at uh, job shops, and uh, yeah, we, we we bought a like pretty much the van from Breaking Bad from Craigslist. And of course it broke down <laughs> and we spent the night on the road side of, yeah, Inglewood. Like for those who are not familiar, it's not the best place to be at night. And uh, yeah, we, we had to switch to a rental car and which got packed like all the way to the top and yeah, visited Sea Otter and it was it was a fun trip. But 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 now you, you mentioned... Kalen, that you're now doing more of a technical, like in-house job, or and pass, you're doing graphic design, but you started as a demo driver. Means you enter, pivot at some kind of a level or a different kind of job, and then you grow within the company. Is this how it goes at Pivot? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think when we started at Pivot about nine years ago, there was we were in a different building that was a lot smaller. There was 20 some people. It was, you know, a small little tight knit group. And we've grown so much now. We're at over 120 employees in the US, 30, around 30 in Germany and close to 20 in Taiwan. It's just the growth has been amazing in these years. And, and with that, there's been new opportunities and new positions created. And a lot of times, it's kind of write your own ticket. So Pivot's been amazing in that way and helping people grow with the company. And if you, you know, prove yourself, work hard and and kind of write your own your own job, you know, you can make that make that happen if if there's a need for it and, you know, just work work your way up. A lot of people at Pivot have been there for since the beginning. There's a handful of employees that have been with the company for fifteen years. We do a employee newsletter highlighting how long people have been with the company. And it's just impressive that how many people have been there for at least five years. Just people, people love Pivot. And once they're there, they're, they feel like family, like Paz said, and, and, and grow with the company. Yeah, I think, I think I'm a, like pretty, like a proof example of, of that because the, the fact that I started as just being company for Kalen while he was on the road, that be, like I became a demo person demo tech uh, tech kind of <laughs> but and, and then you know I moved from being on the road doing demos to working in marketing and graphic design and it, it definitely shows that if you put your time in and care to be honest it's like I think we all work really hard but if you really care like there are gonna there's gonna be possibilities for you in the company to grow maybe let let's dive a little bit deeper on one of these details. Kaylan, you mentioned like technical support. And what I really like about Pivot is the yeah, excellent technical documentation about our bikes. So you can have like 
every small part schematic of every bike you can know you can as a, even as a consumer you can see the bearing sizes there's there's explosive drawings there is like suspension setup guys and for the suspension setups guys we both work on those i mean you you gather all the information and build them from scratch and i'm i'm contributing and then i'm also doing translations for that what are what are you doing in this kind of stuff to help consumers understand our bikes and set it up perfectly yeah so this is this is a huge huge lift from everybody at the company i mean pivot being such a technical company and people knowing us for our engineering and our development it goes all the way through the csr team our customer service team they're some of the most knowledgeable people in the company because they're fielding questions from dealers and customers about, you know, what cranks to use. Can I use this chain ring? So it's amazing to have everybody from our customer service team all the way up to our engineering purchasing. The assembly guys are incredible. Everyone's a pro bike builder. So it's working with everybody to to help propel our, our product forward and make it so that it's easy for you to find the information to set your bike up right because all the engineering in the world, all of Chris and Kevin and Bill and everybody else involved with the development of the product, their work doesn't matter if the bike's not set up properly or you don't maintain it right. So making it easy for people to find that and uh, and set up their bike the way it should be set up is huge. And the suspension setup guide is one of those things that Jens and I and Paz has helped, you know, tons of people. The demo team has a lot of great input from helping set up so many people, all different shapes and sizes. And uh, we work for hours and hours to do this. And it feels like, oh, we're just making this this guide that is just going to end up thrown away in the trash or somebody's going to get rid of it. But it's amazing how many shops have, have mentioned that they use it all the time and how great it is that it really helps get people set up and you see a lot of customers having questions about how to set up their bike. They refer their friends to the suspension setup guide to get to get a good starting point. So it's really really makes us feel good when when people do use that. Or I show up at a at a bike shop doing a dealer visit and I see the suspension setup guides greasy sitting there on the top of the counter next to where they set up all the bikes. So it's it's cool to see that our our work is is appreciated and and it's it's used in the field so i mean it's quite interesting because if you you can find setup guides for your fork or your shock but it's always a system and over a bike is a system overall and it works in conjunction like the fork with the kinematics of the bike and the shock so it's important to set it up as a whole not only the fork and the shock and we are diving maybe it differs a little bit and we were also diving a little bit deeper on that in the in the fox setup podcast you may want to jump back in our timeline of the podcast and listen to that one it really really is a very good starting point and you can have your bike set up in maybe five minutes and you're ready to go and hit the trails pass you also kind of involved in manuals a little bit because it's also it touches the graphic design side of things because a brand like pivot I mean, we are updating our products and we participate in events and we're engaging with the community. But, I mean, we don't just put a billboard out in a parking lot and tell people about our brand, right? There's more to it. There's more communication material. Can you tell us about that? Yes. I mean, started like the first year at Pivot and I was 2014 when we were on the road and I already had a, a graphic design degree. So seeing 
touching on the brand side first, like seeing the evolution of Pivot's brand and Pivot's marketing over the be over the years, it's been awesome because I feel like now we have a a consistent look and an idea of what Pivot brand is beyond the product because I mean the product is amazing and it's always been amazing. But just the brand itself, like, you know, identifying the pivot logo everywhere and and how people get to know it it's it's just been super cool to see and yes like jeff jeff and i have been working really hard on this over the past couple of years to make sure that all our product that we put out there for our dealers and the consumer itself it's consistent so that we all get the same information and and so like we might not be the technical ones and you know, like developing all the content that goes into every little piece that we do, but we just make it look all the same so it stays consistent. And at the end, that's also part of our brand. I mean, for to put a finger on it, it's pretty much the look of the website. You have presentation going out to media, the press. What else? Like advertising. Everything, like from advertising to newsletters to social media posts to, I mean podcasts like every little piece that it's get produced i mean the the dealer newsletters the i'm trying to think other things that kaylin does that are like more the manuals that goes with each bike there are so many little pieces that we just trying to make them all look away <laughs> and it's you know it's it's fun i i get to do all the newsletters that go out for pretty much everything. And I started doing that this year. And it's kind of funny because for some people that might seem a little bit boring, but I enjoy it. Trying to figure it out, a way of engaging with people in a graphic way is is interesting. And it takes a lot of research too, because sometimes what you do doesn't work and sometimes it does. And yeah, so it's fun. So pretty much explaining the importance to stay connected to the community, to catch ongoing trends, emotions, yep. and where you actually draw your inspiration from most. It's kind of funny, but I now subscribe to a lot of newsletters for different companies. I am just doing research on and seeing what other companies are doing um, because I feel like if you just keep doing what you're doing, it... it It's like stays stays calm and stays, I don't want to say boring, but kind of. So I feel like if you go outside the box of also what the bike industry does, because this is something I do a lot. I go to the snow industry and the surfing industries to see what they're doing and just think outside of what the cycling industry is doing so that we just change and, and have a different perspective and not just keep doing the same over and over. There's also a festival you are very happy to go to like every year. And it's, it's, I think it's just a couple of weeks ago, right? Yes. So this is an event that I've been doing since 2018. Since 2018, I think there's been nine. They started, their first festival was in 2017. And, and that's the only one I've missed since they started. It's called Rome Fest. It's pretty close to my heart. I've known Ash and Andy, who started this festival when they were demo drivers. And uh, well, Ash was a demo driver for Liv, and so that's where I, I met her. And 
just kind of like we were a family back then when we were on the road all demo drivers from different companies will see each other at each festival and like it was kind of like your co-workers to work for different companies it was it was just a cool big family that a travel circus I guess it was kind of like a travel circus so yeah and then Romefest is a women's festival right now there's three one in Knoxville Sedona and Fruta Sedona was just a couple of weeks ago it's it's a demo event so a lot of ladies can come demo bikes but it's 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 free it's like well it's not free money wise but meaning like the feeling it's like you're free you can you can kind of like that relationship between women's it's like empowered so so you feel like comfortable and fun and they just took it to the next level this is not just your regular demo festival they made sure that it's a it's a celebration it's a party that lasts like three days and you get to experience riding a happy hour a dance party and you also get to learn from really cool people and their experience through life they have a something called the shred talks panel and it, it's it's just amazing to see woman power in the industry and 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 how we have grown and evolved over the years so yeah it is this is one of my favorite events of the year. <laughs> so you being involved in events and design means you also do designs and stuff and maybe the booth design for this stuff. How you would describe your job in maybe a couple of sentences to an outsider? Because it sounds like very abstract. I try to work with, with different people. Like I, I don't think I have the answers for everything. So I like teamwork. And when I am approaching a concept for a design or for a wrapping the van or the tents or stuff like that, I try to like go with to my team and kind of like brainstorm and talk about different ideas, look at different concepts and and then try to come up with something. I feel like that's the biggest thing for me is being able to work with a team. And I guess I'm pretty lucky about that. I think One of the biggest thing right now, it was a, a poster that we were working on for our PFR team. And it took, it took a village. It took three of us to dig in into all the photos, all the content, everything that we had to come up with like something pretty small. And, and, but yeah, I think the, the communication in between everyone and different ideas and not just you know, I have all the answers kind of thing. It's, it's, it's huge. And, and luckily we have that team at Pivot and, um, and now I've made this way too long, but like, yes, like teamwork overall on the graphic design side. And also when I'm doing events, like there is no way I could do a roam by myself. There is so many people that come and help and are part of the events to make sure they're awesome and that we have good representation. Well, Jens, I think we've, we've kind of talked about ourselves quite a bit now, so let's let's hear from you a little bit more in your background. So, yeah, when we we met at Sea Otter, had a good time there, and then the next time we ran into you, I think it was a bike launch in Moab, and so you were there shooting stuff, working kind of as a as an editor, writing stories on some new bikes Pivot was launching, but you also had a very special bike 
that you were writing after the event that you were working on with Chris and Kevin in, in secret for a special story. You want to fill us in on what that was? Yeah, my for those who may not met me in person, I'm like six foot three ish, and then which is kind of tall. And I'm riding bikes for pretty much all my life, and started racing in the '90s. So you may, ex yeah, you could guess that not all bikes fitted my riding needs or my physical physique needs. It means it looks pretty much like a bear is riding a tiny bicycle, and you hear circus music. And so when I ended up after my racing working as an editor, I got to ride so many different bikes and every company is telling you that they have the best possible solution for that. And this is the biggest bike. And if, if everybody says it's the best solution, it may not be true. So I started to search for the, for an answer on that. And I, said why is the head angle only getting slacker by 0.5 degrees or one degree from model year to model year and so if there's some kind of a linear development into one direction why don't we just like make the full step and make it five degrees slacker or 10 centimeters longer and i met chris i think it's almost 10 years ago i don't know at, at, at also after sea otter at a company visit and uh, we were connecting on this nerd kind of level and i knew that he could do prototypes and i had this idea in mind and so a couple of years later i was reaching out to him and saying are you up for a crazy idea and he was like yeah i'm always up for a crazy idea and then yeah i was like i want to build a bike and it's oh yeah please send me the numbers like the geo numbers and I was shooting him this email and yeah, he pretty much answered the email with three letters like WTF because because he thought I'm kind of crazy. and But he was maybe thinking, yeah, he's up for something. And, and so we kept continuing working on that project and it, it got built. And when I came over, flew over to Phoenix and we, we drove down to Moab for testing, he eventually also built himself a second bike of that, like a medium. And that's where I ran into you guys. And yeah. I, I think I still have this one photo of Paz, like riding the extra large. And Paz, you're five foot tall? I'm two, five two, yes. So. Five two. And you were laughing your ass off because it was so big back then but this is seven six or seven years ago yeah what hey Jens do you remember what your you know the 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 reach numbers the chain stay lengths all this stuff was the head tube angle it was all radical at that time do you remember what what those numbers were and and where are they where are they now in today's today's geo they were at the reach was at 530 the chainstay were adjustable between 450 and 430. And the head angle was adjustable between 62.5 and 63.25. And this was this was a shorter travel bike too. This was if I the Franken Trail. This was built off the Trail 49 concept, but but yeah. you know, Frankenstein. Yeah, Chris used to call it the Franken bike. Because it's it 
it's made out of three different bikes and Pivot had more alloy bikes back then and so he just was taking tubes from this and that and welding them together so Frankenstein and then because of the Trail 429 he had the kinematics of the Trail 429 and only 120 mil of travel rear travel it became the Franken Franken Trail and yeah still ride it to that day I mean, it's still in use. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, in, in, in the podcast of the Firebird, we're talking a little bit about it because Chris was very, very specific on his chainstay likings. And we had different opinions and we were not not really arguing, but discussing different concepts. And then some of the genetics, if you want to put it that way, ended up in the firebird like with the longer chainstay for bigger bikes or longer reaches so does this lead to you to helping develop bikes for pivot not really i'm, I'm not developing bikes for pivot or it's just it, it was kind of a passive how you say application for a job kind of because yeah he he, he chris realized maybe that okay this sounded crazy but it worked and the industry kind of moved into that direction of geometry wise and it's still kind of modern ride feel if you jump on it and it's it's kind of an old bike right now um but yeah we 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 started talking and he needed help on the european side of things and so we continued this conversation and i ended up doing like yeah my title says brand manager for Europe. So, yeah, and also, like I said before, we, I'm working with Kalen on, on, on manual stuff. And we work together on, on designing bottles for the Firebird. And it's just like, we, yeah, we're, like you said, we're, everybody's writing their own job description. There are a lot of tasks in this company. And it's not necessarily like strong borders between departments. We cross borders in between departments quite a bit and work together. So what is your actual background then? Because I mean, like, you do a little bit of marketing, you do a little bit of design, photography, build crazy bikes. <laughs> the real bike thing, I mean, I was shooting around in the forest in the 90s or as a kid on my BMX, but like it really took off at the end of the 90s with the first full suspension bike of mine. And got into racing also i mean you st you have a designs degree and i i but during my racing i also were doing at the my time i spent my time at the university doing a designs degree in communication design and maybe similar to you when you you're working in the bike industry or you just like go to events you meet so many people and you, you just talk and then you ah what what you're doing for a living because most most of us don't make a living racing bikes right it's just we're going to bike events and then riding and yeah you're, you're doing design and then, oh wait can you do me some some logos can you do me whatever and it just starts from there i mean and yeah f from there i got some clients out of the bike industry um went to Taiwan a couple of times, like really got into the manufacturing side of things, how everything works, what is a water transfer decal, what is a laser logo, how does anodizing work, welding, 
carbon manufacturing, it's, it's, it's a, the bike industry is very complex. And my history helped me like understanding it from different perspectives. And I've really benefited from that. It's, it's so cool. I think, I think most people in the bike industry, or at least the ones that I know, like you cannot just be in one place and say, my job is this and this is the only thing I do. You have to know and learn of so much because if you don't, then your job is not, you know, 100%. Like you have to, and, and it's like evolving so fast too that if you don't, if you don't know what's new, what's out there, what's changing, what's not changing, I mean, you're behind. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I mean, now this year we launched two e-bikes. The complete industry is changing. And have you thought of e-bikes like 15 years ago? You know, I see an e-bikes in the past. It was kind of this niche thing. I didn't think it was going to catch on, but I'm usually slow to slow to change with trends i remember arguing with my friend scott about tubeless i was like tubeless is never going to catch on you know yeah he i owe him for that one for sure but with with the e-bikes it's it's crazy now to i wouldn't have thought that you'd call somebody up talk to a shop and troubleshoot a bike over the phone and remotely control their computer to see what's going on with it and the level of complexity in our our user manuals it's you're trying to set set somebody up so they can go hop on the bike and and use it, but people don't necessarily always read a manual. So it's it's kind of like that. When you get a new phone, you don't sit down and read the instructions. Your phone doesn't even come with instructions. But with our new bikes, we try to include instructions so you know how everything works, how to set it up, and to have the best best ride with the bike. So it's a it's a complicated process to get these things going and. Yeah, whole whole new batteries, learning about batteries, learning about wiring, you know, making sure everything's functioning properly and the troubleshooting that goes along with it. And, you know, as we were setting up for this podcast, you know, oh, plug in, plug your headphones in, unplug them again, you know, just just stuff like that. This this troubleshooting instead of, you know, look at something, see if it's bent or not. No, you you actually have to look at what's going on with firmware and software and yeah it's just a whole whole different can of worms i mean it, it's also a lot of opportunities and we were talking about that in the in the sl podcast i mean we 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 have new opportunities to conquer new terrain and work with new people and communicate to new people and this is really the maybe the essence of working in the bike industry. Like you said, Paz, on Rome, you, you meet so many people which influence you and then we're moving forward and we're constantly changing our job description if you want to put it that way. Yeah, I think it's kind of like inspiration too. And maybe this also reflects into bikes, like you see what other people are doing. You see, you get inspired by their riding their their life and i think it also translates to bikes right like not that we want to up each other but i think we all want to create the best bikes out there and so inspiration from what we have done in the past what others have done in the past and try to like make it better and i think right now like we've we've done it with, with non-e-bikes like 
if you ask Chris what's his best bike, he'll say the next one. And he's always been like that. But with e-bikes is such a new thing that I think we're all learning from each other and we will get there to make them perfect. It's just, it's kind of new. And it's cool too because they're, they're riding so well too, even though they're not perfect yet. Jens, you said in the Shuttle SL podcast how, how that bike was the e-bike you've been looking for and you weren't excited about e-bikes before that bike. You've got the Franken Trail the Firebird, you've got a garage full of bikes. What's what's your go-to bike these days? <laughs> my, 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 myself from five years ago would really pick on me for saying that the e-bike I really like. And the, no, no I, the, I really also, there's, there's one plus N, maybe. You never have enough bikes. You only run out of basement at some <laughs> point. It's every, every single one of them, it's having their, like, specialities. And on one day you totally, and I, I, I totally feel like want to be on a hardtail, for example. And then on the other day, I'll, let's give me the full on rig just like to go into a bike park and just like, just blast into every rock garden. And then you're like having maybe a long day in the office and you're like, ah, oh, I don't feel like really pedaling now. And I only have like an hour left, like in German winter is long and dark and so how you can get that lap in or just like stay at home so then you pick the e-bike so you, I can't really put my finger on it like this is my favorite bike but maybe if you if you would say you have to pick one it's potentially again something like switchblade I guess because but just by changing tires and wheels and you you totally have an opportunity to make it more bike parky or just be able to do easily 4,000 feet of climbing on it. If you have like quick tires on, then you have a full day of riding and you're not like exhausted because you're carrying so much weight around and it's just pedals so great. Yeah, potentially I would go like mid-travel range, I guess. Switchblade. Yeah, that that seems like a sweet spot for most people. I could, I will second that. Switchblades, it's my go-to bike. It's my fun bike. It's yeah. I, I, I say if you want to travel the world, take that bike. Cause no matter where you, yeah, no matter where you are, you're gonna have fun. Yeah, and you can totally do crazy stuff like with the with the geometry adjustment and it's, we're not offering it that way, but if mallet is your thing, you can totally put a 27.5 in the rear. It's it's just doable. Speaking of speaking of switchblades and and you two different sized riders on either end of the the size scale there. Pause, you know, when we we're on the road, you talk to pauses 52 and we'd meet a lot of ladies that were or smaller riders that were between sizes and it's it's hard for me i'm just average size guy so my my take on a bike i don't i don't know what an extra large rider's experiencing and i don't know what an extra small rider's experiencing so it was amazing on the road i'd just say hey talk to pause she's five two she can tell you what's going on so you know yens has helped influence the extra large size what about you what do you like about pivots on the extra small side yeah it's it's kind of funny i i'm i don't have a lot of technical background when it's 
in regards to bikes, right? I'm a graphic designer. But when I started riding for Pivot and riding all the extra smalls, knowing that that was my size, it fit me. I like to call it fun size because, like, they're, they're small but sweet and fun. Um, I realized that by experience and by trying to talk to this other ladies about what I'm experiencing in the bike, how important the reach is, the standover for some, the overall geometry of the bike, how it was fitting me, like things that I could do and I couldn't do on on the on the right size bike. So one of the biggest things I I told everyone was, okay, I can ride a small. I I know my body can fit a small bike. But then when I was out there trying to do things that were comfortable, for example, just pulling on the front end, going out of a drop, like I realized I didn't have the same skills because my body was not in the right position for it. And going back to the extra small and realizing that it felt more comfortable, it, it I was able to corner better. I was able to even climb better. Like there were so many different things that by experience, I was able to help others kind of like figure it out. And it's kind of funny because sometimes short people don't want to ride extra small bikes. And I don't know why, but it's like sometimes you hop on the bike and just the parking lot ride, it might feel too small. I, I've been there before. I have been on bikes where like, this feels weird. I'm going to ride this small. And then I go out on the trail and it's like, nope, not good. So definitely experience has helped me translate the idea of why we need to be on the right size bike because being on the right size bike will make you be a better rider overall because if you keep riding the wrong bike yes you might improve because you just keep doing it it's practice but you can get way better if you're on the right size bike overall job like we all described it and how it is in our daily business life it's it doesn't sound like any job I had ever in any other industry. Like we, there's no job crossing so many borders between departments and towards outdoors. You're being on the road, you're being in the office, you may be on a shooting, you, you on, on whatever production. And it's, it's ever changing and ever evolving. And maybe this is what, makes it so great and it's not only that bikes are uniting us or the passion for bikes but the passion for this kind of a gleeful job if you want to put it this way yeah i think it's kind of like a lifestyle in in it's not the normal oh i i just work because i need the money for traveling or i need i want the money to buy things like the this job it's beyond the eight to five. It's, it's the experience. It's the, like you said, the outdoors, the like going outside borders in departments and also countries. Like it's, it's an experience. It's a lifestyle. And I like something that Kaelin, when we kind of like first met, he said that it was like, you, you have to have fun and you have to like your job to live your life. Like, and, and Kaylin, maybe you can rephrase it the way you actually said it, but it's like we are spending most of our time doing our job. So why not make it fun? Why not making it 
something that you truly like. And and I think that's what's so cool about what we get to do. Yeah, the I I went through kind of a rough career time, you know, just kind of some weird things happened during the recession in 2008. And so one day I just decided to simplify things and just say, okay, what's important to me? And it's where you live, who you spend your time with, what you do for fun and what you do for work. And if if you don't have a good balance with those four things, then, you know, you got you to figure something out. So I I love working at Pivot and I love my job. And, and you know, most days go by really fast and you, you forget you're just so focused on getting what you're working on done. You don't, you don't think about, oh man, is it lunchtime yet? Oh, is it five o'clock yet? We were just actually on vacation and standing in line <clears throat> coming back from our, from our trip, a lady in front of us was like, oh man, I have to go back to work and, uh, and complaining about, you know, her trip being over. And the only reason she works is to go on vacation. And I mean, I love vacation, but I was excited to come back to work and, you know, get, get caught up on the projects I'm working on and, you know, just having this passion to, to improve everything. You know, you, you talked about where we're at with our technical information out there and how we have a lot of it. I feel like, you know, we've got a long ways to go to get there and and that's fun. It's exciting to have that challenge and, and everybody at Pivot is working hard to improve everything they're working on, whether it's the bikes, whether it's the, the photos, the videos, you know, everybody's working nonstop to make, make things better. That's a great way to sum it up, I would say. Thank you, Jens. Yeah, thank you, Jens. Perfect. Thank you, Kalen. Thank you, Paz. This was a good time. And uh, yeah, looking forward to your uh, twist on the, on the podcast and we, when we will focus a little bit more on these like insights on the people and the lifestyle within Pivot and around it. Thanks, Jens. So yeah, in the upcoming episodes, Jens, what, what's, the, what's the next bike coming out that you're doing a podcast on? Oh, this is, this is something that really gets me very excited. And we will talk about the new... Oh man, I can't, I can't wait to hear about that one.